The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. It is a great privilege to be able to speak to you on Father's Day. Uh, It was interesting as I was thinking through all of this, I realized that this is the, I don't know, 24th or 25th Father's Day message I've had the privilege to give over the years. And it never ceases to just fill me with a sense of responsibility and also the sense of what it's like to have a father in heaven who's perfect and how that just really encourages us as we go through all this. A lot of times on Father's Day, you can lean one way or the other. Either you just hammer fathers or you ignore it altogether, acknowledge the day and just go to another passage because you don't know what to do with it. Uh, fortunately, because we are in Proverbs, we get to do both today, although I'm not going to hammer on anybody. That's not, my, that's not my intent on that, because today we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that is all about building our legacy, and I couldn't help but to think of what a hundredfold, as they went out, you had a dream of a legacy, but the way God has taken it is way beyond but the heart was the beginning. And so we're going to talk about what it means to build our legacy and how important that is. Let's ask God to really to open the word and open our hearts. Father, I thank you that we can come before you as our perfect, loving, merciful, gracious, caring Father. And this morning as we hear words that were written from you to us, from a father to son, you would help us to hear those words, ponder them, and live them. Open our hearts to you, not just any words that I might be saying, but to your word and to you. Holy Spirit, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you will, if you didn't already get that, would anybody else like a Bible? It's Proverbs 4. I want you to turn there if you don't mind. Uh, If you would like to have a Bible, just slip your hand up. Uh, But <clears throat> pull out your electronics and, and get there because it doesn't really doesn't work if you don't follow along. Um, building our legacy is not just for uh, men, obviously. It's for all of us. We're not talking just to fathers today. We're talking to everyone. Uh, from whatever age we are all the way through to you get to be old like me. And that building a legacy is incredibly important. Now, Proverbs is a wonderful book. I'm sure you've already noticed that there's not anything really new in the book of Proverbs. Okay? Let's just admit it. It's not something new. But it is full of rich spiritual teachings and lessons for us for living for God in ways that is walking the path of wisdom instead of the path of uh, foolishness. There are simple truths that are meant to stir our hearts, and I would hope that even this morning, in this discourse, and this message that is given to us, that we'll get that. Um, In fact, the passage we're looking at this morning has actually been called the anatomy of discipleship. By that, the author meant that this is a basic plan for every believer for walking with God. If we want to just, it's our design for discipleship book all in just seven verses. 
and that this is so critical to all of us that we, we want to hear and see through that. One of the things I do want to mention is that all the way through the book of Proverbs, there are only two paths, okay, two paths. It is the path of wisdom, which is based on the fear of the Lord and obedience to that. What's the other path? The path of what? Foolishness, okay? The path of foolishness, which inevitably and will lead to death, okay? Spiritual, physical, and so forth. One of the interesting things as you read through the book, and I encourage you to do that, you're not going to find a third path. There is no third path. It's either God's path or the foolish path. And unfortunately, so many of us, and I have done it too, so I'm not throwing any stones, we try to find some kind of middle road. We want to have God in our lives, and we want to have our fire insurance, but we really want to kind of live life by our own rules and our own standards, our own desires. That's not an option. We try to make it an option, but as you look through Proverbs, that's not an option. So as we keep that in mind, not only for this morning, but even as you go through uh, over these next months, there's no such thing as half-heartedness in the the path of wisdom or uh, pretending in the path of wisdom. Now, in building our legacy this morning, it doesn't matter whether we're a dad or a mom, an aunt or an uncle, a friend, co-worker, whether we're single or married, this really is for all of us, and I hope you will see that. Many years ago, unfortunately, at a Christian businessmen's committee meeting, I heard a speaker say something to me, and it just, it just was riveting. As I sat there and, and pondered it, I'd never heard anything like it. It was like, boom, he hit me. And let me tell you what that was. He asked us two simple questions. What do you want written on your tombstone? And what do you want people to say when they honestly do your eulogy? Do you know what a eulogy is? In case you don't know, that's what someone or some people say at your memorial service or your funeral about you. What do you want people to say? Because that is truly our legacy. And here I was, just a young man at that time. And he started me thinking, what do you want people to say about you when you die? Man, that just just slammed me because he said and went on to say, don't put that off because what you do, what you say, what you believe, how you act, you are building your legacy right now. You can't wait till later to build it. What you do and who you are right now is your legacy. Is it what you want it to be? Because it helps us we think through that. We realize we're in the process of building our legacy every moment up until the time that we die. And we need to pick and choose our priorities and where we put our lives and what's important to us based upon a legacy of what we want people to remember us by when we're gone. That doesn't have to do with, it is fathers, but it's not just fathers, it's mothers, it's friends, it's roommates. What is that legacy? Well, let's turn to this Anatomy of Discipleship passage and, uh, and just go through it. Uh, Proverbs 4, 20 to 27. 
My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Now again, we're talking about legacy, right? Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. I really appreciated something Brad said a couple of weeks ago about the whole book of Proverbs. You need to see that there are three different aspects in order to understand the book because there's like three things being taught and if you forget one or just focus on the other, you miss the point of the book. I don't know if you remember that because to be honest with you, I remembered basically what it was, but I had to text Brad. I said, that was great stuff. I need to send me a text, what it says. So I'm, I'm stealing from Brad right here, okay? There's the practical level, the kind of life skills and emotional intelligence level. And that's been mostly what we've heard preached on or what we read. It's just practical advice on how to live life. And it is there. But there's also the ethical level. The ethical level being how you live rightly. Not just good advice on life, but how you live rightly. And finally, it's the theological level. That's the level that goes deep into the foundation of all wisdom. It's the foundation of all of the book. It is the foundation based on, if you remember very beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Right? Remember all of that? So everything we study is coming out of our hearts based on the fear of the Lord. Now, this is a discourse. It's one of several discourses where what discourse is just teaching time in the first chapters of Proverbs where the father is saying to his son, this is what's important in life. This is what I want to pass on to you as a legacy. Now, one of the things I'd like to, for us to remember, this is our father in heaven speaking directly to us. Sometimes I forget to remember that when I'm looking at the book of Proverbs. When I realize this is my father having me sit down with him over decaf coffee and saying, son, I want you to hear. Daughter, I want you to hear. Teenager, this is what I want you to hear. And the importance of his words is the first part to just slam us with that importance. My son or daughter, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart. For they are the life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Just a couple of things. I mean, it's pretty clear. Listen well. Pay attention to that word of God. Not only just to read it, but to hear it. I love that part where it says, incline my ear to my sayings. One of the things that happens to us as we get older is one or both ears doesn't hear as well. And it's funny, you'll look at some people, look at us and whatever, and something will be talking over here and you'll hear somebody speaking to you over here. And you don't actually go like that. 
but you do turn your ear to the person you want to listen to. Does that make sense? And you actually try, and it doesn't matter how old or young because it's more attention than it is hearing capability. And so all of a sudden he's saying, I want you to incline my ear, your ears, to my word. That goes beyond, above and beyond just kind of reading it through and do it, but, but go like that. He also goes on, I think that not only listening well and paying attention is incredibly, incredibly important, but he asks us to hang on to those words. Take them deeply into the core of your being so that it actually affects you. Don't let them escape from your sight. Keep them where? Within your heart. Down deep. Because, and again, in the Hebrew, in your heart was the center of everything. If you got it in the heart, we're going to talk about it more later. That's where it is. You've got to keep these words in your heart. That's how important they very are. Remember, it's God speaking directly to us. And then the last one, he says, and it's kind of like you can see the daddy in here. Uh, trying to say, there's a reason I'm telling you these things. I mean, we've all been in a situation, either as the child or the parent, where something's trying to be communicated, and we're only half listening. And the reality is we're trying to communicate something because it's for their well-being. It's not to make us unhappy or whatever. God is trying to communicate to us something that is for our well-being. Notice what it says. These things, these words, these instructions are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. That word, the way the flesh is written there, in the Hebrew and in the meanings of that, the poetic part of that, is it doesn't just mean the bodily flesh, it means the soul. So this brings healing to your body and your soul. Now let me ask you a question. If you happen to have children, what is one of the most important things in your life that you want to do for them? Get them out of the house. That's Unfortunately, sometimes they keep coming back, but it's a good effort. It's a good effort. Yeah, I was like Bill Cosby back when he was respected. Made the comment, uh, when they, as soon as they leave the house, we change the locks. Uh, that's not really the way it works, but it's sometimes our heart's desire. No, I, I really do believe that if there's one thing above us, we want them to teach them about God, but we want to protect them, don't we? We'll do almost anything. How do you, why do you think they're helicopter parents? There wouldn't be helicopter parents if there wasn't this overwhelming desire to protect. I don't want my children to make the same mistakes I made. I'm trying to help them see how to avoid, we, used to, we have a term, term in for pastors, it's called paying dumb tax. I want to pay their dumb tax, okay? The tax that it comes from being and doing something foolish or dumb. But it, this is what he's trying to say. Don't you understand that these words of Proverbs, not just these words, but all of Proverbs, is given to us for healing to our whole body and flesh as well as giving us life. Okay. <clears throat> I don't listen to it all that much. I do listen to some of the older stuff. But I got hit with a, with a country song that when I first heard it, it kind of you know, it tickled my ear. Because it starts out, and then the song's titled, which you, some of you, if you would admit it, 
have heard the song, Chris Young's I Hear Voices. Do any of you know or have heard that song, I Hear Voices? Well, at least some of you will admit that. I will tell you right up front that it is worth going to YouTube and checking it out. Now, here's the reason why. After saying that people think he's crazy because he hears voices, he goes on to say, turns out I'm pretty dang lucky for all that good advice. Those hard-to-find words of wisdom hold up here in my mind. Okay, now this is just a country song. This doesn't have anything to do with God, but boy, does it have to do with this passage of Proverbs. And just when I've lost my way, and here's a point I'd like, and I've got too many choices, I hear voices. I hear voices like my dad saying, quit that team and you'd be a quitter for the rest of your life. And mama telling me to say a prayer every time I lay down at night. And grandma saying, if you find the one, you better treat her right. Yeah, I hear voices all the time. Sometimes I try to ignore them, but I thank God for them because they made me who I am. Now, isn't that interesting? I hope we all hear voices. Not only voices from those that are passing a wonderful godly legacy to us, but more importantly, from the Father in heaven. You realize that, that this book of Proverbs and what he's saying even here is God's voice. And he wants us to hear that voice. And I like that because it says, he says in the end of that, I thank God for them because they made me who I am. That's what God wants to do with his voice to us. He wants us to make us who he wants us to be. And his word is his primary way of doing that for us. The word through the spirit. Okay, that brings us to uh, verse 23. And the interesting thing about verse 23 is it's the absolute crux of this whole discourse. Everything before verse 23 points to verse 23. And everything after verse 23 reflects verse 23. So are you excited to hear what verse 23 says? I'm trying, guys. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> Put that up on there. Now, I picked the New International Version of this one because I like it better. And, and so you, we have the English Standard Version. It says some of the same things, but I just thought that it came across to me as stronger. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Okay, now here's God saying something. What do you think he means by above all else? Did he just make that up and it's hyperbole? What does it mean, above all else? Help me out. Yeah, more than anything. Does it sound like it's something important? It's almost like, you know, when <laughs> he, he's grabbing me by the shirt and saying, pay attention. Above all else, do this. And it says, guard your hearts. Why? Because everything you do comes from your heart. That was that Hebrew context of everything internally comes from that heart. That's what is the key. What we most need to do to guard and protect it is, requires us to be constantly alert. Some of that phraseology can be, was used by soldiers and others behind the scenes, that kind of guarding, that you can't let down for a moment or they'll escape, or you'll be attacked, or something bad is going to happen. 
Unfortunately, our default position in our lives leans to our flesh. Now, maybe, maybe you're, you've gotten to that place spiritually where it doesn't anymore. <laughs> I'm not even close. My default position is still to lean to the flesh and to the world and all that it tempts me with. We must gain, guard against fleshly and worldly desires because one of the reasons is our inner life manifests itself in our outer life. Okay? What's inside shows up on the outside. We can't hide it. But I also want us to realize that as believers in Jesus Christ, we're not only having to fight against our natural desires of the flesh and of the temptations of the world, who else do we have to fight? The enemy. Satan himself. I don't use his name very often because I don't really respect him. That's why I call him the enemy. That that's who I mean. We must be alert and aware. That's why we have to have spiritual armor. That's why that word, when be alert, because he's going to prowl about. That same alertness is actually a sentry word for an army behind the scenes. That's part of that. We as believers are, whether we want to or not, whether we can believe it or not, we are all engaged in a spiritual war. Okay? The God of this age is not happy with the new kingdom being proclaimed and brought to bear by believers throughout the world. Guarding our hearts begins with what we think about. I want to share with you a beautiful guiding verse that I wish that I had just memorized earlier and and kept in mind all the time. Whether I was making choices for myself or for my children, for my behavior, for my thinking, Philippians 4.8, if you just want to jot that one down, if you don't already have it memorized, you prob- you'll know it. But is it one that we hold up? It's kind of like this is the template that we hold up to everything that we do and think. Finally, brothers, Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So everything we think about, everything we see, everything we do, needs to be held up to that template. And I can I promise you, Every time I hold that template up, I'm going, whoa, I have not been doing that very well. When I worry, am I really thinking about things that are pure? Things that are commendable? No, I'm thinking about things I don't have, things I need, finances, etc. When I change and put my, my mind to God, It's amazing how those other things tend to come into perspective. So guarding our hearts starts with what we think about. But also, I think guarding our hearts means guarding against any outside negative influences. That guarding is is just that internal, but it's also that external. Any external influences that's going to take the purity. You know, we have been given, we are new creations in Christ, right? 
Part of that being new creation in Christ means we have new hearts. We get to start with a new start. And one of the things it does, we have to guard against anything from the outside. Okay, I'm going to meddle just a little bit here. What do you watch on TV? Breaking Bad? I won't do any of the modern ones. Hold that up against the Philippians passage. Would I say that was honorable? And I'm not picking, I don't know who watched Breaking Bad and who didn't. I just picked that one. There are so many advertisements. I'm, try, I'm watching some sports, okay, and that could be bad too. But I'm watching sports, even the Collegiate World Series. And the next thing you know, there's advertisements on regular TV of just garbage stuff. Every time I see that, there's an outside influence coming into my eyes and heart if I, if I don't guard against that. I stop and think, movies we see, how about the internet? I mean, I don't have to talk about the problem that sexual immorality has played in the life of the church. And it's a struggle for all of us. And if you are struggling with it, please don't struggle alone. You're not going to find judgment here. But don't do it alone because you won't win. Say, just me and God. Well, yeah, it's all God, but, but you need some army with you. Anyway, that's enough of that preaching. What about video games? What about that? Why do they call them R-rated video games? Uh, T plus, or whatever those are. The violence and the things that are in there, that's an outside influence coming into our hearts. Now, I'm not trying to be a legalistic schmuck, okay? I, I'm a grandpa. I want my kids to love me. I'm not going to take away things unless I absolutely have to. But, we, but the reality is, for us, okay, men, women, youth, are you guarding your heart? Because it's going to show up in your legacy, whether you want it to or not. Judge whatever we're doing by Philippians 4, 8. Put it up there. Is it commendable? Is it honorable? Um, with your children, I can't imagine how challenging it is as a parent in today's world. We had the same, some of the same challenges, but all we had to fight against were movies and TV. We didn't, we didn't have video games. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Pong came in, and now it's about as far as was there, okay? We didn't have to do that same kind of guarding. We didn't have, but you're going to laugh, there was a time before the Internet. And even when there was an Internet, most of us couldn't afford a computer because every computer cost two to $3,000. It was just incredible. And that's not even counting the Apple T. I mean, that was just plain, ordinary... Commando, was it Commander 64? What was that one? Can't remember what that was. If you remember that, you are old. <laughs> I can't imagine what it is, but please, please do not give up protecting your children. Protect them when they're young, but also try to protect them when they're older. You're not only just protecting them from outside bad influences, you are teaching and training them to protect themselves. Does that make sense? Sometimes we've missed stuff. We didn't know. 
I'm so sorry that I had an ignorance about things in the world that I should have known about. Parents, you need to be the most informed people in the world as Christians because you've got the most important people in the world to protect, and that's your children and the children of the other people and believers in the church. Again, I'm not trying to be uh, just legalistic on all this. I mean, I just, I've forgotten the name. Yeah, I, I'm so old. It was Pound Puppies. What's, what's the puppy dog show that their rescue? Everybody? Paw Patrol, yeah. To be honest with you, I enjoy Paw Patrol. <laughs> I don't mind sitting down with grandkids watching that. Now, I promise I don't watch it unless there's a grandkid present. But, uh, but I do, I kind of I like that. All right, let's move on. I think I've preached enough on that. Let's go on to the next one because flowing out of these next verses comes out of guarding your heart. It's wisdom pointing out what we are to be doing by guarding our hearts. The first thing it talks about is our talk, which is interesting because both in the Hebrew and the reality, the mouth is a direct conduit from and to the heart. The mouth is a direct conduit from and to the heart. Um, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you, verse 24. I find it interesting that that goes two, that that goes two ways. What we say reflects what's going on inside of us. If you have any question about that, Jesus was really clear in Luke 6, 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. We like to say, well, whoops, I didn't really mean that. No, it was in there. Might have been the wrong thing. Might not have been what you wanted to say. Might be something you knew was wrong, but it was in there. And it slides out. It's incredible how many numbers of different proverbs that are in this, this book that are specifically geared to speech and talk. It's just so many, it's incredible. Living out and fulfilling what he's saying, okay, we're starting at the bottom, out of your heart, first thing you guard is the mouth. Well, there's all kinds of instructions about how to do that and how harmful foolishness is when it comes to our mouths. I often wonder, can we ask this question? What do our kids hear us say? All right, now I was in college one time, a long time ago. What did my roommates hear me say? What do my coworkers hear me say when the boss goes on a rant? What do my friends hear me say? That's our legacy. That is our legacy. They will remember that. And that's what we're doing in every, every day. All right. Not only do what we say affect our, uh, the, affects our hearts, I mean, not only do what we say reflects our hearts, it also affects our hearts. Because flippant remarks, sarcasm, negative worry, all of these things affects us inside. It, it, the Hebrews felt like the mouth was the direct anatomical term for how anything gets inside. 
not just to the heart, not just to the stomach. I mean, not just the stomach, but to the heart. Everything that was coming through the mouth. So what you say actually goes inside also. And our Heavenly Father was pretty clear on this too in Ephesians. Ephesians 5, verse 4. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, nor crude joking. I'll say those again, because there's wide practical applications to those. Filthiness, foolish talk, and crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. It, it goes inside. When we, bad stuff just goes inside, too. What, what's going on? All right, we've got the in and the out of the mouth. Let's go on to the eyes. I mean, yet none of us have a problem with the eyes, do we? You know what is really sad is unfortunately most of us are looking for new stimuli. We're either bored, we're unhappy, something going on. We're looking for some other stimuli. Well, the sad part about it is when we find a stimuli that coming from the outside, it only works for a little while. You do any studying, on any kind of negative issues, you go further and further into the negativeness, into the bad, because it doesn't give you the same thrill as it did when you started that bad stuff. It just gets worse and worse and worse. We can't be searching for new stimuli. We need to be searching for God himself. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Remember I said there's only two paths? This is the path of wisdom. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Remember he says, his word, he will be a light to our path. If, if, if we're, our hearts are being guarded, then so are we guiding, guarding our eyes. It's like we almost have to put blinders on. Um, I, I didn't ask permission for this beforehand, so forgive me, sweetheart. Once in a while, I just, okay, guys and girls, going to the beach is not as much fun because of what you have to avoid seeing. It's gotten worse. We happened to be down at the beach in Navarre Beach for early on, and it was too cold for any any southerner to be wearing anything other than a sweatshirt and long pants. But these, but, but yeah, it was March. But these Yankees were coming down and they didn't know no better. So they're out there on the beach in thongs. I mean, what? I know preachers aren't supposed to even know that they're things that like thongs, but, but whoa, I've got to guard my eyes, because they're going to be looking. And it's not just the physical like that. What are you looking at when your neighbor has a new car or better car or new house or better house or whatever it might be? Our eyes go there, and when it goes there, then our eyes aren't on God anymore. So we've got to avoid any new stimuli because it's just going to get worse, whether it's... Again, I'll just say TV, video, games, movies, and internet. You're going to hear that one. I'm sorry about But also, difficult circumstances can take our eyes off of God. I find that true because when we're hurting, we tend to look inside more than we look to God. Again, 
maybe y'all have gotten past that spiritually, but I have to go through that process before I get my eyes. I got to realize, what are you doing? You're just being self-absorbed and cranky. Get your eyes away from you. Well, think about Peter. Every time when something like this occurs, I can't help but think about Peter. I mean, I really love Peter because he's a hero and a goat all in the same passages. But when he got out of the boat and decided to walk on water to Jesus, man, he was kicking it. He had his eyes on Jesus, and the waves were there, and the wind was there, and he's just kicking it right through. I, I see him. Okay, you're going to laugh. I see him almost running, putting a wave, you know, wake up behind him. But he's heading to Jesus. And then what happens? All of a sudden, he stopped looking at Jesus and began seeing the wind and the waves. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he sank. This is one of the best illustrations that we can ever have of the reality of keeping our eyes on Christ. Because if we take our eyes off of that and focus on the difficulties, it's going to get worse. And fortunately, Jesus is always there saying, hey, to Peter. And he's saying that to us. You ever, you ever get that? Maybe you never feel it. It's like sometimes God is sitting there going, Pay attention, look at me. All right, then it comes to the end, which is we go from our heart to our mouths. Uh, heart, mouth, eyes. Whew. To our feet. Verse 26. These are our actual choices and behaviors. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left, Turn your foot away from evil. If our eyes are doing the job, then our feet are going to follow. So you got to stop and stay there. But we must be constantly alert. Again, notice what it says. Ponder the path of your feet. Think deeply about us. Please always remember that our default is going to be going the wrong way. It's almost like there is a magnet from the world that is trying to be going up against us to pull us away from God. And you've got to constantly be alert because God provides the anti-magnet. But you've got to be with him in order to get that even to know it and to put it and, and, and put it there. I look at that when he talks about do not swerve to the right or to the left and turn your foot away from evil. Remember, one path or the second path. Path of wisdom path of foolishness. Which one are we going to choose for our legacy? The legacy of wisdom or the legacy of foolishness? I, there is this river in Florida. It flows out of Itchtuckney Springs. And if any of you ever been there, it's just north of Gainesville. It's an incredible double springs that just pumps out hundreds of gallons of water. Pure, clean, wonderful water. And uh, my wife and I and her parents decided we'd tube that river with all a whole bunch of other people. It was so pure and clear, you could look straight down, and it looked like it was 18 inches deep. So being the type of curious person that I am, I had to get off my tube 
to find out how deep it was. It was over my head. But it was so pure and clear, everything could be seen. Most frustrating place in the world to fish, because you just watch them swim right by your hook. I mean, it's awful. But it was wonderful. And it floats so strong and pure and clean. It was just incredible. Well, then it was about a year or so later that I, we, for some reason, we were over in Tampa. Have any of you ever been to the Hillsborough River State Park outside of Tampa? I mean, seriously, have you ever been there? Yeah, I know. <laughs> over here? All right. What color is that river? <laughs> it's not pure and clean. It's black. Okay? You can put your hand in that river if you're silly enough to do it that far down and you stop seeing your hand. How many state parks on a river have a swimming pool? Because nobody wants to get in the water of the river. It's awful. Why does that happen? They both start out with the same pure, clean spring. Our new hearts in Christ. What God has done for us because we're new creations. But sometimes what we do is we're not guarding our hearts. We're not looking correctly, speaking correctly with our mouths, looking correctly with our eyes, letting our feet go the wrong way. That pure, clean water goes through places of Florida where tannic acid builds up. Rotten vegetation, basically, turns the whole river black. Same springs. It was clear when it started, but it went through the garbage. Unfortunately for us, we've got to be careful because we can start with our clear springs, but where we let it flow makes it come out, and that legacy is not what we want. I, I don't want a legacy of the Hillsborough River. I'm sorry. It just isn't, isn't good for me. As we come to the table today, I would really like for us to ask, because the, the really neat thing is, if we temporarily or sometimes get off on the path of foolishness, there is a way back. That's what Christ is all about. And we make that constant choice that says, if I've been following the path of foolishness, I want to lean back into Proverbs. I want to walk in the fear of the Lord in my heart. I want to start really guarding my heart. And I, I want us to know that wherever we are, whatever we've done, wherever that situation might be, as discouraging as it might be, there is, a, a, I put three R's, as we come before the table, it's a special time for us to say, okay, I, I have been on the path of foolishness. And I, I want to go back to the path of wisdom. I want to follow you, God. My, my heart's with you. I've just been being, I almost said the word stupid. I've, I've just been being foolish. Because the first thing we need to do is recognize our foolishness. Unfortunately, and again, I'm going back to dads here, men in general, we generally have a hard time recognizing our foolishness than women do. We don't like recognizing it, but it's true for everybody. 
We have a hard time recognizing. How are we going to recognize our foolishness? As Jonathan would hold up his Bible. That's how we recognize our foolishness. The word of God points it out. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And we all know it. I mean, we sit here, there were things as I was preparing this message. I'm going, oh, okay, I see that. Then what do we do? We recognize it. You've got to be willing. Your heart has to be open to recognizing that we're in, I'm in, in a way that's foolish. Then we need to repent. I know that's an old-fashioned word. But it's a biblical term, and it's important. Because you not only recognize what the wrong is, you turn from that wrong. It's that extra step from confession to change. And sometimes, and I I think, I praise God that we as a church are a wonderful place to confess. Where you're not going to find judgment. You will find help in that type of thing. But we have to be just as strong and walking forward in obedience as we are in accepting confession. Does that make sense? So repentance means you not only recognize it, but you've turned from it. That's where your heart, put your heart back on the path. And then the last one I talk about is restoration. We want to be restored. Restored to God, restored to our family, restored to one another, restored to our friends. But may I point out on that, we need help in all three areas from one another. You know, the old saying, you know, if, if, if Pam wants to tell me something, and she's absolutely right, am I going to listen to her, or am I going to listen to Matt Theus? Matt Theus, that's right. She's going to try to tell me something so that help me to recognize I'm being foolish. But chances are I need to hear it from someone else. And Matt is one of those people that can tell me I'm being foolish and has told me that. And I will listen. We need to listen to one another on foolishness. But we also need the help in repenting. Man, I tell you what, that's a tough thing to do. We need somebody, whether you want to call it accountability, friendship, mentoring, whatever. Getting that repentance right, we need one another. Starts with the heart. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong there but we need one another's encouragement and repentance. And then last one is restoration. Sometimes that's a tough step. And sometimes we have to help others get restored. Are we there and ready and ready to do that? As you come to the table, please remember this verse out of James, which it's interesting because James is called the book of Proverbs in the New Testament. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So come to the table. Where's our heart? Because that's where those desires start. Are we guarding them?